Today's episode of Sweeten Up Podcast is brought to you by Uncle Matt's Bakery and Cafe, located at 105 Churchill Road in beautiful downtown Sandy Hook, Connecticut. Uncle Matt's is your neighborhood cafe, but with a worldly view of baking you won't find anywhere else in the area. Stop in to grab a quick coffee or espresso, or meet your friends for long conversation and share any one of their delectable sandwiches, baked goods, or salads. Uncle Matt's atmosphere is casual and cozy. All about convenience, place your order online, and pick it up whenever you have time. You might even run into Uncle Matt himself, the great Matthew Kirshner, one of the nicest guys around and a guest of ours on Season 2, Episode 82 and 83. Take it from me, Uncle Matt's is the real deal, and you might even see me there, enjoying a dirt bomb, a coffee, and my personal favorite, the fried eggplant sandwich, which is absolutely to die for. Check them out today at UncleMattsBakeryAndCafe.com, as well as on Instagram. Just search for Uncle Matt's Bakery and Cafe. Uncle Matt's Bakery and Cafe, exceptionally simple ingredients made extraordinarily delicious. Experience the best recipe in town. Thank you so much to Uncle Matt's for being our third sponsor of Season 3. Today's episode of Sweeten Up Podcast is brought to you by Andy Sachs and Around Town Real Estate, a family-owned real estate brokerage with all the reach of those other guys, but with a commitment to bring local back to local real estate. Located in my beautiful hometown of Newtown, Connecticut, Around Town Real Estate is the go-to for all of your real estate needs, covering much of Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield counties. Give them a call today at 203 203- 200-0851. Again, that's 203-200-0851. Or check them out online at aroundtownrealestatect.com. Thank you to Andy Sachs and his team for being our first sponsor of Season 3. And now, let's start the show. Hey everyone, what's going on? It's been a minute, but Sweeten Up Podcast is back. Welcome back, one and all, to season number four. As always, I am your host, Jeff Spencer, and I have a fantastic episode of the podcast for you today. But real quick, before we kick things off with today's guest, if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, be sure to check out our library of 112 episodes anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Sweeten Up Podcast. We also have partnered with Candlewood Gear and have a killer merch store. Be sure to check that out as well. The link for the store will be in the episode description as well as on our social media pages. Last but not least, if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share, subscribe, or leave a review. We thank you for your support. All right, with housekeeping out of the way, my guest on the podcast today is my main man, Mr. Doug Palestena. Doug Palestena, or as I like to call him, Dougie Fresh, is the general manager and owner of the Amber Room Colonnade, an award-winning premier catering venue and landmark located in Danbury, Connecticut since 1969. A graduate of Marist College, Doug utilized his degrees in marketing and financial management and applied them to his hospitality career since 1997. He began his career on the restaurant side and then merged into full-service catering and banquet operations. He is well-versed in different cultures and spent a six-month period traveling Europe, specifically embracing Italian culture and cuisine. 
While in Italy, he worked for a marketing firm promoting tourism and planned events that helped acclimate international tourists to the European lifestyle. Since joining the Amber Room in 2008, Doug has personally worked with and executed over 3,500 events to include major galas, weddings, mitzvahs, and corporate functions. In 2013, Doug was promoted from Director of Sales and Operations to General Manager. Doug's main position at the Amber Room as General Manager is to oversee all operations with primary responsibility of event planning as well as company finance management. Doug is one of the greatest human beings you could ever meet, and I was so glad he could join me for an episode of the show to chat all about the ins and outs of the Amber Room, how he got his start, and everything in between. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, and my dear friend, Mr. Doug Polistena. Joining me on the podcast today here in Brookfield, Connecticut, I am so, so excited because sitting across from me is an individual who needs no introduction, but he's getting one anyway. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the general manager of the Amber Room in Danbury, easily considered an absolute landmark of the city, and he is the great and powerful Douglas Palestena. And Doug, how are you, man? What's going on? Thanks for coming by. I appreciate Uh, it. Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Jeff. That was too kind. Um, I'm doing great. And awesome. I am very happy to be here with you today. Awesome. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Uh, I know we were just shooting, you know, chopping it up before talking about our mutual love for tequila and sipping on a little tequila right now, which is nice. So that's that's great. Um, and it's just great to see you, man. I know this has been a, a long time in the making. Uh, a few <laughs> a few months, a couple things got in the way. Had a little career change, got a little promotion at, at Works, which was congratulations. Which was, yeah, a toast thank to you. you for thank that. you, appreciate it. Which was cool, and um, very exciting, and I'm I'm very excited, and uh, a lot of a lot of more work and, and stuff. But the the company's doing great, so I'm very very appreciative of the the work I need to do, and looking really forward to it. But just great to sort of wind down now and <laughs> a little bit. On a, on a weekday evening and just uh, chop it up about all things Amber Room, all things Danbury, everything going on with you, sort of get to know who you are, your background, where you, know, where you came from and, and what led to where you're, you know, where you're at today and what you're doing today. So really, really excited to talk to, uh, talk to you about that. But as I know you were saying to me the other day, things at the Amber Room are really busy right now. So before we dive right into it, just what's going on right now at the Amber Room, my brother? Absolutely. So we are coming up on holiday season, which is always crazy uh, itself within the event world and the catering industry, as you can imagine. Sure. We've had a really busy fall, which we are so thankful for, right? That's great. We recognize where we were a few years ago. Oh, man. To think. To think that. To think. We don't even want to talk about that fog that uh, <laughs> that took place. Nah, nah. But uh, we are very fortunate, and we are so thankful for our community and for the clients and and friends that support yeah. us. Basically, so yeah. we have Thanksgiving coming up next week. We're doing uh, Thanksgiving meals to go, fully prepared, air fried turkeys. Uh, then we're going into the holiday season, corporate holiday parties, and between that, some school banquets, some. Uh, weddings here and there uh, for the rest of the year. Most of the time, this time the weddings wind down, but I think we actually have about three weddings left for the year, which is really good. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Hard to believe the year is already winding down. It feels like it just started. It's it's really, really weird. It goes by so quick. And I was just <laughs> having this conversation. I always tell my my kids and I joke about it. My mentor when I was younger used to tell me, he said, Doug, 
you know, time goes, the older you get, the faster time goes by. And you never really like understood that. And granted, we're not old by any means, but it is so true. Like as you get older, time just goes quicker and quicker. And I think in our industry, in the event world, you're always thinking ahead. You're always planning 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027. So you never get the chance to like step back and be like, oh my goodness, by the time you do, 2023 is gone already. What happened? It's crazy. <laughs> what happened? It's like, you know, I had a bunch of older friends growing up and they always used to say to me, enjoy your youth. It's so true. <laughs> and um, I kind of just laughed. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the next I'm thing like, you know, you're like, oh man, the big 4-0 is yeah. coming. <laughs> just turned 32, um, uh, man, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Happy so birthday, that was, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, no. And I mean crazy i mean it feels like yesterday i turned 30 it just feels like yesterday i was at good old days pizza with all my all my buddies my family my friends all celebrating my 30th and here i am um you know not in danbury anymore living in brookfield and i'm 32 it's 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 crazy but it goes by in hey, a second i'm gonna enjoy flush. every minute <laughs> absolutely you have to and it starts with a good glass of tequila exactly exactly and a good conversation <laughs> with my buddy doug tequila on a tuesday night <laughs> exactly. can't go wrong no you can't not at all we should go bowling after this across the street <laughs> oh man fantastic man this is great this is gonna be a great time um but you know what Let's start from the beginning. Let's let's you know get everyone to know Douglas Palestina or of course Doug. But I just I laughed when I went to the Amber Room page and saw Douglas, and it actually reminded me of um, King of Queens. Um, the, the dad Doug and Douglas. Kurt. He'd always be yelling <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> so when I saw Douglas, it made me think of uh, of uh, Jerry Stiller. Absolutely, uh, rest in peace. One I of the know. one of the greats. Uh, one he of the absolute great. greats. <laughs> he was but great. um, but bring us back, Doug. So talk to me about you know where you know where you grew up. Uh, where you're from originally, and sort of, you know, take me through some of the younger years, uh, you know, getting up to high school and college, and the position you're in right now, general manager, um, Amber Room, you know, sort of catering focused, appeasing to clients, making sure people are happy, making sure people have a good time, that hospitality uh, effect. Was that always something you wanted to do, or did you have your sights set on something else? And just take me take me through from the beginning until now. Absolutely, we have a lot of time, I guess. Yeah, right? we got tons of time. <laughs> I'll try not to bore the <laughs> listeners with uh, with with all the details. No, but, no worries. But I'll give uh, the recap as best as I can. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in Brooklyn, like oh, someone I know. Right? Awesome, awesome, <laughs> and, very cool. Um, Caesar Colado, yep, also born exactly. in Brooklyn. <laughs> so, but my Brooklyn days were very limited because. Um, my mother and father moved here when I was very, very young, but my roots were still there. So we would always go back all the time because my grandparents were there, cousins, family, et cetera, aunts, uncles. Nice. I got a friend in Bushwick and Sunset Park. Nice. I was in Bensonhurst. Nice. Um, very cool. Which we spent much, a lot of time there, Coney Island. Oh, yeah. You know, good food, good people. Yeah. And so Brooklyn to me was always part of my roots. Um, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade had a class of 23 people what was great was actually just did our catholic school reunion we hosted at the amberum oh wow uh, this august and we had our kindergarten teacher there (laughs) we had our sixth grade teacher our preschool teachers it was so (laughs) special to see everybody and it was just so nice to be able to to do that but ironically at in uh, grammar school, in, in Catholic school, there was only 23 of us. So from kindergarten to eighth grade, it was 23 close-knit 
best friends. We went to everything together, and that was all we knew. And logically, from Catholic school in Danbury, you always go to Immaculate. That's yeah. how it goes. Yep. So I got my acceptance letter to Immaculate. I knew that's where I was going. I was friends with everybody else in all the other Catholic schools. And my mother says, nope, you're going to Danbury High. I go, <laughs> I can't go to Danbury High. I don't know people there. What are you talking about? That's what's going to be. And it was one of the best decisions that she could have ever done for me. And because it, it allowed me to meet so many new people that and get out of the comfort zone of being with 23 people, right? Because here it is going from a class of 23 to a class of, at that time, it was 600. And it was intimidating. And it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what, do, what am I going to do? Right. But it. I made a promise to myself the first day of orientation. I saw somebody that was going around, shaking everyone's hand, knew everybody. And I said, I'm going to be like him when I'm a senior in, in high school. And not <laughs> only am I going to be like him, but I'm going to be friends with him. And that's what I did. I made it my goal to make sure that I knew everyone and anyone in the high school. And I made some phenomenal friendships. While I was in high school, I did odds and ends jobs and uh, even sold CDs and uh, watches and, and had a side hustle all the time. Um, and I worked at a diner. And that's really what started my career in hospitality. And I always say, you know, forget about high school and college and everything else that came in between. But it was truly the best education working at a diner that anybody can get. I, I think working in hospitality in general, that everybody should do it at least one time in their life because you learn how to interact with people from people that might not really have anything or can only buy a cup of coffee to people that are the wealthiest business people you'll ever meet. And in a diner, you meet all walks of life. Oh, yeah. And that's what started my career in hospitality. Wow. I started there as a busboy at 14 years old. And I kind of skipped the waitering part. I went to host and then assistant manager and then um, was managing the diner while I was in college. I would go back and forth. And I had many, many different jobs in between, but I always kept with the diner. Um, Where'd you go to college? I went to Marist College. Marist, nice. And I love it. Very Anybody cool. that goes to Marist College, very you know, cool. You, you say Marist <laughs> and their ears light up, their eyes widen and their ears perk up. Marist is amazing. And, and, you know, to be a Red Fox, it's something that like we're all so proud of. And it was just such an incredible experience. That's like, New York, right? It's Poughkeepsie. Yep. Right, Poughkeepsie, yep. right. Because I was, I was like, that's not, I, they think that's that college that's up near where my girlfriend lives. Yeah, because she lives in Beacon, New York. Oh, so yeah. So kind of like real, up in there. Okay. Close. Cool. And what's, what's interesting, too, so I was at Marist, and I'll fast forward through some of the stuff, but <laughs> I was at Marist, and um, I, you know, again, I had uh, all different jobs, and, and I, I always kept the diner, but I wanted to have something there, too. So I started working at a catering hall down in Wappingers Falls. Okay. So love Wappingers Falls. I, it was great, right? And I would always joke around. I say I was the best fed college kid around because <laughs> I made friends with people at this at the Culinary Institute. There I you was go. working at the, yeah the CIA oh, over there. Great. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I would work at the catering hall, and then 
I'd stay at the catering hall Saturday night, go out in my tuxedo to the bars and whatnot. And then the next day I'd get up and drive to Danbury and go to the diner. <laughs> Damn. So it was always constantly working. So you spent a lot of time on 84. I spent a lot of time. I knew where every <laughs> state police officer was there and there. Um, oh, that's funny. And then my junior year, I went to, I was very fortunate and got to study in, in Florence, Italy. And I saw that on your bio when I was doing was some research. Incredible. Wow. I had such a good time and I worked for a company uh, there called Florence for Fun that was bringing really kind of bringing international students to introducing them to the Italian culture. So I'd bring them to restaurants and uh, and nightlife and then go to different tours throughout Italy. So I got a really good exposure and experience there um, and met so many incredible people. And then I loved it so much. I stayed an extra two months, traveled Europe. So I lived in, in Italy and Europe for six months. And what year was that? That was 2005. Five. Yeah. Nice. And then um, went back to Italy after that about probably 11 times. And I hadn't been back since 2011. And my wife and I just went back October um, and celebrated our 14-year wedding anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's right. So oh, dude, congratulations. How was that? <laughs> it was incredible. I'm ready to go back right now. You just got back recently. I, I know, and I'm ready to go back. I loved it. How was it? Did it, was it? Had it changed much? or was It's it... certainly changed, but you know the magic is is there. It's when I there. say it's changed, you know, there's different restaurants, there's different um, things. Every time I go to Florence or go to Italy, you always have a new experience. And very cool. Um, it was really really special. But it was just like being home again, right? Being back there, right? That's awesome. Which was great. And then, you know, <laughs> uh, 2008, I left the diner. I went and started at the Amber Room. It was um, started as director of operations. Moved to director of sales and operations, general manager. 2018, I had the opportunity to um, buy out one of the partners and become owner. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> That's awesome. So, oh, so you're the actual owner. I am one of the owners. One of the so owners. I have That's two, awesome. two partners. And, um, That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm an equal owner, which is always like, it was always a kind of a quiet secret, but I guess now it's out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Man, yeah. that is so great. I, you know, it's great to hear the story of working your way up, you know, from starting somewhere and working all the different various roles until you get to the top. I mean, that's so cool because I feel like these days um, a lot of people need to hear that, especially, you know, the younger folks who who think that sometimes you just jump right to the top. And it's not the case. Like, you know, you, you really you grind. It's a grind. You work your way from one area to the next area so that when you do get to the top, um, you know you can handle all the various other roles. Something that I see in, in folks who own restaurants and chefs and everything like that, you know, they're, they know how the, to run the whole business because they spent time doing all the different various roles. And I, I, that's great to hear. I, I love that. I it's, love that. It's so important. And, and again, I've had the opportunity to speak to some high school uh, classes. And that's one thing that I always tell students is, is you can't go in expecting that you're going to be CEO or owner of the company in a year. Like right. It just doesn't work like that. You have to put in the hard work, but you also have to know every aspect of the business. I, I've bartended, I've waited, I've run parties, I've been in the kitchen. So I joke around when people ask me what my position is. I say I'm the janitor because that's, <laughs> that's what it is, right? You have right. to always know everything as part of the business. And right. 
you have to do be able to do every single job of it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And that's um that's the way I learned the different various jobs that I had. Um, I worked under a gentleman, uh, Jeremiah Gentry from Caraluzzi's, someone who really molded who I am today as a worker. I mean, my parents did as well. Um, you know, the hard work ethic and things like that. They they put my ass to work right right <laughs> when I was old enough to work. They said, you're working at Caraluzzi's. And I started working at Caraluzzi's in uh, 2008 when they first opened the grocery store in Newtown. Phenomenal I, operation. Because I lived like way. a mile and a half away. Oh, yeah. yeah the Caraluzzi's. Like, such an incredible all their stores are at the cleanest ever you yes. can lick off the floor they're absolutely gorgeous you know now that they're all updated and but you know it, it took a it took a few years for that process um the one in danbury is incredible um the service is incredible the way they train you is is way different than any other place you know that i've seen around the area um the training is they you know it's taken very it's no joke they take it very seriously oh, yeah. and you can tell when you go there because it's so different than any other place there's usually always a bagger at a register like you don't really see that at some of the other stores yeah. you know it's the self-checkout they don't have as many checkouts as they used to um but that that personability you know that personable side that personal side or whatever you want to call it um yeah it's still there care loses and, and I, it goes back to hospitality yeah, right because hospitality, that's yeah. what it is exactly even even in retail i mean it's still getting to know customers getting you know the customer's always right type of motto that's what care loses always told us but but yeah i always i always credited um Jeremiah for uh, for you know helping me with that work ethic because I would see him and he was someone who used to be you know who was my age at one point who was going through the motions cashier you know uh, you know working the register then working the the meat department the deli department I mean I I worked almost every department at Caraluzzi's because it I saw that in him what he did and it inspired me to have that same work ethic so I love hearing those those type of things it's so important and and you can't teach work ethic right but right. It's, I, I was in a similar situation, and with the Rontos family that owned the the diner, that's what it was. And I mentioned my mentor was um, uh, Jim Rontos, and he just he guided me and showed me, you know, what it what it is to succeed in business. And I I've never forgotten that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's it's great to have those people. And I, I look back and I'm like, man, I'm so thankful this person came in my life or that person came in my life. So. That's awesome, Absolutely. man. That's great. That's great. So what? So 2008. What made you decide to go to the Amber Room? Was just was there an opening, and and you just saw the opportunity? Did you want to change a pace? So you want the, the from, truth from the diner in Marist? Or, yeah. What's the what's the truth? So the truth is, I said no three times. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. I did. So you you were willing to just I stick did. with? Okay, so got you. What happened is, um, so they wanted you. So. They had asked me to come on board. Oh, look at um, that. In full disclosure. It's nice so, to be wanted. Yeah, it is nice to be wanted. <laughs> but it was funny because I was I was a little bit at a crossroads. So sure. um, the Rontos family had owned the Ambrum from 1989 to 2008. I had worked for them at the diner. And I would go and help out at the Ambrum, bartend, waiter when when I needed. Which diner, by the way? Uh, it was the Windmill Diner on the Windmill. Mill Plain. Gotcha, yep. Windmill, nice. It's now uh, Mill Plain Diner. Mill Plain was, Diner, correct, yes. It was the Windmill gotcha. from 1972 to 2016. Gotcha. Um, and shout out to Mariposa, who's down the street. Love, there you go, lo- exactly. You guys. Richie Reyes. Sam Reyes, love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I worked at the diner from 98 to... So 2008, 10 years, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then again, worked my way up throughout the, at the diner. So I was at the diner when the Putnams were buying the Amberum. They would meet at the diner at night and have conversations. And 
the Rontuses also owned the Amberum. So they were selling the Amberum to the Putnams, and I was at the diner when they would have these meetings, so I'd get to meet to know them. And what happened is the Rontuses were going back to the diner, and I was going to, we weren't really sure where I was going to be, considering I was running, you know, working the schedules, managing, etc. So I really wanted to go into corporate. Um, I had graduated college. I was thinking American Express, IBM. Like I was, I wanted a corporate job, right? So they contacted me for for the Ambrum. You know, we want you to to run the books, do the finances. Eh, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Then they called me again. Hey, you know, why don't you come in, try it out? No, I'm good. I don't want to do that. I'm good with hospitality. I don't, I'm good. I'm going into corporate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, they said, all right, why don't you do this? Come for six months. Try it out. If you don't like it. If you don't like it, leave. You can even pick your title, what it's going to be. I'm like, all right. I'm a young kid. I don't know. Yeah, I want to be director of operations. That sounds really good, right? Fancy. I'm like, but no matter what, I don't want to do sales. I'm not doing sales. I'm not doing anything like that. Within two months of being there, I said, oh boy, I got to do sales. <laughs> I got to, <laughs> otherwise I'm not going to, I'm not, I got to continue what the Rontos has had here. Like, I don't want to be the reason why this <laughs> doesn't work. Oh, so shit, I got to do sales. So in two months, oh, I'm shit. doing sales, two months of being there. Again, young kid, have no idea what I'm doing. I've never was trained in doing sales for weddings and this and that. And we kind of just made it work, right? Like we, I started putting the puzzle pieces together. I started learning on the job training in a sense. And now that's how I learn. And, it, and that's what, you know, sometimes you just have to be thrown into it, into the situation to make it succeed. That's what happened at Romtech because I came from a, a law office world and, and this was corporate law. And so it was way, it was not way different, but a little different. And yeah, my boss at the time, uh, Matt, shout out to him. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, yeah, he just threw me right into these. Like, and you're like, you go. oh my goodness, deer in headlines. What and am I, I was gonna like, do? oh my God, but I'm so grateful because now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it, I, I'm extremely confident in what yep. I do now because of that. So. And that's that's really how And tough situations started. don't get me freaked out anymore because I've been thrown into the fire. Exactly. <laughs> and and the count. kicker was was that the owners in 2008, this yeah. was more of kind of an investment for them. So they they had their own full-time jobs. They weren't there on site. Right. So Everybody, it was a little bit of a learning curve because teams were starting to be put together, but everybody had different menus. Everybody kind of had their own style. So it was like the wild, wild west. Like one client would get this menu, one client would get that menu. It was just crazy. So we we dialed that in. We saw there was an issue. We started putting the puzzle pieces in place. And then, like I said, I, I kind of changed my role, my position over the next few years that I was there. And obviously 2008 was not a good year to be buying a business because that was the crash and financial crash and so forth. Yeah. So 2009, because you're always going a year ahead, two years ahead, 2009 was really tough. And it was like, oh, wow. And plus, we were dealing with all the rumors right in the beginning, like, oh, there's new owners. Oh, they're knocking this down, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that was always oh, crazy. Oh, man, yeah. But, um, I was in high school around that time. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I did your prom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, but by 2013, that's when I took general manager position. 
And I really was able to build the team and put the pieces in place of where we needed and get the right key people. And because of that, after that, there was no kind of turning back. It was, okay, we're on the trajectory of making this the best possible venue that we, that we can and always improving and making it bigger and better. And kind of, we knew that we had a solid product and obviously the reputation and a staple in Danbury. And we had to build on top of that and make it so that our niche was creating about customization and really giving the client exactly what they wanted. Yeah. And that's how, what the key to our success is. Yeah. And Amber Room has been around for a long time. 50. Landmark. We're, we are Danbury Landmark in for 55 sure. 55 years. Jeez. Uh, 2024. So 1969, it was, it oh, was uh, started. Yeah. At, at oh. the current location. And, and to think wrote. that the CRA, uh, who I'm on the nominating panel of, gets, gives out awards for businesses that have been open 20 plus years. <laughs> <laughs> 55. I mean, that's. 55 years. So. I mean, I mean, sure, it's not a restaurant, you know, quote unquote, yeah. but still 55 years for a hospitality type yep. establishment. It's amazing. It, it's we are we are very, very fortunate. But the most important, I always tell the team, like, we can't lose sight, right? Like you always have to strive to be at the top of the game and give your best effort because the second you start thinking that oh you know we don't have to do this or that like i always want to be hungry i never i never take anything for granted because it's so important we know that there's other venues out there we i and i truly truly appreciate our clients that consistently give us business because without them we'd be nowhere and kudos to you guys because um you know to be honest you could ask anyone like for instance uh you know the other day i said oh i'm going to be talking to the general man you know i just said to one of my buddies going to be talking to the general manager of the amber room doug uh for the next episode of my podcast and he goes oh yeah i know the amber room gravely you know you could talk to anyone like amber room and they're like oh i know the amber room i know the amber room and i give you guys credit because to me when I first learned about the Amber Room and, and first went there, I thought, man, like, unless you were looking for this place specifically, I mean, because just because the way it's tucked away, sort of hidden uh, sort gem, of on the outs- yeah, <laughs> sort of on the outskirts of Danbury, you wouldn't really be, you know, you wouldn't really see it unless you were looking for it, more or less. And so I give you guys credit for just making it this this big spot um, that everyone knows because because it's it's tucked away. But as you said, it is a hidden gem. It absolutely is. Because once you get there, you you understand um why it's so great because it is tucked away it's got that quiet you know it, it's quiet it's beautiful it's like oh all the things i like in a, in a venue for sure so it's such just a, fantastic no and i appreciate it's a that. unique area like you don't i don't know it is a very unique area because we sit on a lot of people don't realize this but we sit on 26 acres of land yeah we have 500 plus parking spots and we are an exclusive place and that's so unique in today's times because Granted, there's development everywhere. There's uh, lack of parking or this or that with with different places, but we we really are a hidden gem in this, and it's not lost on us, right? Like we understand it, but we appreciate it too. And 
so many things, as you mentioned, happen at the Ambrom, and it really is like I am. Sometimes I most just, events that happen in this area happen at the Ambrom. They do, they do, and that's my goal. <laughs> then right? again, like, you have a huge space. <laughs> when I took that tour a few months ago, when we first met over the summer. Oh my gosh! Like that, yeah, that twenty-five thousand square feet. You're um, like, here's our space, and I thought, oh, okay, so this is the space, this is it, and and then you're like, so then you go over here, and there was an even bigger space, and I'm like, this is nuts, man. We can host as small events as five people. People have no idea that we do that. and if, But, of course, it has to make sense. We'll, we'll do a small dinner or a small lunch um, for corporate. And then we we just hosted an event last week for 900 people. So it's, you know, it really ranges. But the versatility is so awesome. And sometimes I just take a step back. You know, we had an event, um, we had a really busy week last week. It was, it was great. Uh, there was events, multiple events every single day and every event was different and had its own set of complexity that went with it. But sometimes it, I, you just take a step back and you just like, wow, like this is just so neat and so awesome. Or you look around and it's just like, everyone is there and, and the people that are whether it's the mayor or mayor elect or uh chief of police or whoever is there like they come to these events and it's just it's really Im- impressive and it, uh and just kind of like a wow factor when yeah. you, when you look at it 100% what's the max capacity so it's, what's the largest event people wise you've ever had so the largest event that i've ever done um (laughs) i can't imagine being the general manager of a place where it's like 900 people oh come on it gets a little intimidating (laughs) that must be wild because like if you think about it being the general manager those 900 people are are essentially kind of your responsibility right it's to make sure they have a good time to make sure everything's you know so we have a saying i don't know if you if you remember it or not but we have a huge sign above the doors in the kitchen yeah and it says our reputation is only as good as today's performance and it's so true like i love that when you start thinking about the the actual gravity of those words like it really it's it weighs heavy right because you can be stellar you can have a phenomenal brand recognition but if somebody messes up of some kind right and don't get me wrong things happen mistakes happen oh that's life it's, it's life right you're never gonna make everybody no 100 happy yeah. at any time yeah but at the same time somebody does something negligent or somebody or we drop the ball on something they're not gonna remember the hundred times that we the did good, great exactly they're gonna remember that one bad time so exactly. that's why it's so important for our team to know that our reputation is only as good as today's performance because it is a big responsibility. And I always tell the team, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a a fundraiser or a gala, this is huge, huge, important events for our clients. And we have to always put our best foot forward. And when something goes wrong, we have to anticipate how to make that better at that very given time. Yeah, it's so true. Um, what you just said there about, uh, well, all of it, but that, that one that stuck out to me was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and I've heard this a bunch, is, is how you know they could have 100 great experiences, but, but one bad experience, and they might never come back. Um, and it sort of reminds me of something that um, uh, one of my buddies told me, a sponsor of the show, actually, Joe, over at JJ Stacks, Joe Adonito. Yep. Great guy. Shout out to Joe. Definitely get over to JJ Stacks. 
Um, uh, just amazing, absolutely amazing. In fact, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a plug really quick. They're, they did a wing saw swap with Blind Rhino. Uh, Blind Rhino is an award winning uh, wing and uh, award winning pub in Norwalk that has amazing wings. They win uh, they win competitions all over the country all the time for their wing sauce and their wings and everything like that. And right now they have their wing sauce plum sriracha which is incredible. I had it. Wow. It might be one of the best flavored wings <laughs> I've I've ever had in my life. It might be the best flavored wing ever. It's absolutely insane. And for and right now at JJ Stacks for a limited time, you can get plum sriracha for $10 for 6 wings and each $1 goes to Newtown Babe Ruth um, baseball. So, it's wow. a it's a great swap. They're absolutely insane. I've already had uh, a couple orders. Probably going to get another couple orders this week. I it's would, such I would a drink unique, that stuff. Unique, I would drink it. Uh, flavoring, too. Yeah. But I have to say, just speaking of JJ Stacks, yeah. you know, um, as a Brookfield resident. And yeah. True. I'm, you're a Brookfield I resident. I'm a Brookfield as resident. Am I. We're both yeah. Brookfield I live, residents. I live five minutes away yeah. from you. We're See, neighbors. Look, look, we're the best but, people live in Brookfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Danbury will forever always be close, near and dear to my heart. Oh, so me too. I love it. I always Danbury. have to put that out there. But with JJ Stacks, it's really very very impressive you know i'm a big believer in giving back right giving back to your community giving back to to the youth whatever you can do to give oh back, he always right? is doing fundraisers and, donating and oh, it's just nice it's guy. really really important and what he does and his fundraisers and whether it's for nonprofits or the schools or whatever it may be it's just it's just awesome and so he's a sweetheart kudos to jj stacks yeah. for doing that because yeah. it's it's really important and basically what he said to me that resonated from what you were saying before people will go to fast food restaurants over they'll mess their order up but they'll keep going back to those same fast food restaurants even though they mess their order up but they'll go to like a local restaurant in their neighborhood and one mess up they're on google saying they're never coming back again and they never go back again and they trash the place. That's one of the toughest and that was, parts. And when he said that to me, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I was like, you're actually right because, yeah. <laughs> because uh, um, you know, I've, there's been a handful of times where I've gone to fast food and they, mess, they messed up my order, but I still go back. Well, that's but, a, I, but, I, but I also don't talk badly yeah. about, about local restaurants. If yeah. I go to a local place and I don't have a great experience, which happened to me a handful of times this year, definitely, I just don't say anything because I'm not going to try to tear down someone's livelihood because I didn't enjoy my meal for whatever reason. And, I'm just not that type of person. I'll never do that. And that's, you know, and I, and that's awesome because it's so hard in general in the hospitality business because I, I you constantly hear, right? When with reviews, it's important, right? Like as a venue, we want reviews because that's how people can tell what you're what you're doing right we can't write our own reviews because there's algorithms and all that kind of stuff so when people leave great reviews that's awesome when people leave a negative review and especially when it comes to restaurants they're not they're more opt when they're when they feel wronged or they're upset about something to leave a negative review than they are to go on and give a good review exactly and you have to always take it with a grain of salt exactly you know, I'm very involved in the restaurant industry um you know it goes back to that giving back and during covid um those were very dark times for the entire hospitality industry and i consciously made the decision that i needed to be involved and there was a series of things that we did long story short i am now a very proud member 
um, and very honored to sit on the Connecticut Restaurant Association's Board of Directors, and um, which I know that you are also involved with, with the CRA, and especially when it comes to the crazies, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but I just got my form today to make my final uh, nominee, uh, uh, my, nice. my final votes. The for final <laughs> votes. So for those of you that don't know, the crazies are... A uh, truly incredible award ceremony. Scott Dulch, who is the head of the Connecticut Restaurant Association, puts on an event um, that is now sold out at fourteen hundred people. And last year was twelve hundred. So yep. we we welcomed we welcomed you additional two hundred. We did. And there's actually a waiting list of over a hundred people ready to go. Yeah. Um. So it's just such an incredible night, and it's it's really just uh. I call it a star-studded event because although they might not be celebrities in the true sense, we dress up. It's celebrities, of course. I'm wearing a. I'm wearing a, my tux. There are celebrities, though. I, there I, are celebrities. Those but, chefs and but those, those chefs uh, are celebrities. Those are my celebrities. Those right? the chefs, the bartender, like all those hospitality oh, yeah. people. I, I Dimitri will be there. I fawn over Dimitri, them. Dimitri, Dimitri. Uh, That's my guy. You know, he'll I be there. I love Dimitri. Zaharitis. Cocktail chemist. The cocktail chemist. That's it. One of my favorite guests. I love that guy. <laughs> he actually came to my apartment when I was living in Danbury. Oh. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Actually, no, that actually, that was not him who came to my apartment. We actually did our conversation. Um, I, I have a satellite studio yep. above Good Old Days Pizza. Nice. And I can record right above Good Old Days, and then we can go right downstairs and eat some pizza. That's so incredible. I've so, done a bunch of So Dimitri was at the Amber Room uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. That's he was, awesome. He was That's putting out his new product, Cavo, the world's yes. first Greek rum. We got to talk about this. Incredible, incredible. Best rum we you gotta will talk ever about have. This. We got to talk about this. Um, yes. Uh it's right over there. I right actually, over there. I brought I you a it. bottle. It's right on my... So I don't oh, know if you know me? this. That's for you, Jeff. Oh that God. is yours. Oh, my God. So I don't know if you know this, but Cavo had its world release uh, recently, and it is now available in Connecticut as of November 1st, and it is the best-tasting rum. I, I gave it to somebody the other day, and just on the rocks. Normally, you don't drink rum on the rocks, but this is so smooth. <laughs> like, it's oh like my cylinder. goodness. It's like cylinder. It's like cylinder. And yeah. Corbev owns cylinder too. But, I know. But Cavo, I think Cavo is going to be big, big things. It's it's already sold out its first batch in Greece, in Connecticut. It's in Texas. It's in South Carolina, now New York. It's it's going to be good. You watch. Awesome. Yeah. No, it is, it's fantastic. And and for those who are like, what? What's going on? So the Corbev Group um, is an amazing group of individuals. Um, it's run by Stelio Stavrianos, um, incredible, incredible guy. Um, it's also uh, run by Dimitri Zaharitis, and then you know there's a bunch of other different members. I'm actually a member um, of the company on some level. I I help them here and there with various things, whether it's um, you know administrative stuff or uh, I'll go to tasting events and and I'll you know that's the best I'll, part. Of I'll the pour job cocktails for three tasting hours. Events. <laughs> um, you know, actually, let's let's talk about. So I, I actually got a good story. So I actually over the summer, um, Beardsley Zoo does this event where you can um, eat at food trucks that are located throughout the zoo and drink at tents that are located throughout the zoo. Oh, wow. And you pay about, I think it was like a hundred bucks and it's a three hour event, three or four hours, something like that. And you show up and you literally drink and eat amongst the animals because all the animals are right there in their, in their areas. They could get a little dangerous when it comes to lions. So <laughs> just put it out there. I was, I was um, adjacent to the lion or tiger exhibit. <laughs> I forget which one. The one right where the near the carousel and everything. 
and um and I was shaking um Midnight Barista. Yep. Uh, uh Moonlight Barista. Uh, Moonlight, sorry. Yep. Oh my god, my bad. Oh, Stelios. Stelios <laughs> is going to be so mad cuz so many people say that. I don't know what. So yes, Moonlight Barista, which is one of Corbev's uh one of Corbev's many products, uh which is a canned uh cocktail espresso martini in a can, 15%, really really great. It's a collaboration with Rise um Coffee uh, located in Stanford, and it's one it's I mean it's not one of, it literally is the best canned espresso martini you're going to find right now. I, I guarantee you that. And it's even better when you put it in a shaker with ice oh, yeah. um, and shake it up and then pour it into a glass. So that's what I was doing the whole time. I was I was showing everyone who was coming up how you can shake it, get the froth, you know, get the frothy head and everything like that. I was demonstrating. Uh, so I was literally shaking for three hours and um had one of the longest lines according to well, your the event organizer at that point because i oh feel like that would hurt so the next morning my fingernails were oh, swollen no. like my fingers were swollen <laughs> from opening because i didn't have a tab a can opener so i was opening all the cans with my fingers so yeah the next we gotta morning talk to Stelios about that. i felt that my fingers not but, have been. <laughs> no that's it was totally fine i had a great time um and and it was just it was fantastic. I had one of the longest lines at the event. People were absolutely obsessed, and everyone was like, "Where do you get it? Where do you get it?" And I kept telling them, "The liquor, there's a liquor store in Fairfield. That's it's got a it. great product. It's incredible. Stu's has it. Or yeah. Did have I it use for it a while. at the Ambrum when somebody wants an espresso martini and we have to do it on fly? Moonlight oh my barista, gosh, all the fantastic. time. Fantastic. You can't tell the difference. You yeah. cannot tell the difference. Ah ah." Uh, <laughs> you, you can't tell it between the canned and and, and like the no. you know the fright. You can't tell. They man. do a great job. Incredible. I don't know. That blew me away. So I was doing that at the Beardsley Zoo, and um, there were commemorative glasses that came with the t- some of the tickets, depending on the like, you know the level of the the ticket you bought. And um, within twenty, you know, about twenty minutes before the event was supposed to end. Left and right, you just heard glasses shattering of all the people that were just. Oh my god! They just couldn't handle. They drank their, a few too many moonlight baristas, <laughs> yeah, they, or whatever, and they just couldn't. Because I mean, I, there were so many different distributors around, um, but yeah, they just they you know people were just getting wild, and this glass was just breaking oh everywhere. Um, and I'm like, man, these poor people. As a venue, we clean up all when this. we hear breakage. That's I, all I have to say. Yeah. What you know, and on that level, what are some? Have you ever? What's like the worst incident you ever that you can speak on ever happened at Amber Room? Oh man, it's so many stories, right? Like, probably don't want to tell. I try to block them out. I just try to like, hey, this happened at Amber Room. Come on down uh, and schedule your night. I think probably one of the the most challenging events people getting rowdy or like we we definitely i mean do you have security or is that something that someone else has to provide we have security cameras all around right right? you have to um you just hope adults can be adults if somebody if we know that there's going to be a a (laughs) rowdy crowd or we can anticipate it then we will make it mandatory for there to be security you know what the school dance is generally they have police presence um that's just a safety concern uh, that makes sense. Yeah. But if there is an event that we are a little hesitant on, I'll put it that way, then we will we will really make it so that they have to have security. In the event business, there is oh, you always have to anticipate something's going to go wrong and what can that be. So it's almost like predicting it before it happens, right? Right. And, and I've been doing this me personally, at least at the Amber Room. I've been there for fifteen years, so. We've kind of seen it all in that time. One of the hardest events I think I've ever done, and I've done some really, really challenging 
events, a lot of uh, complex situations. But I remember one time we were doing an event and we were working, because um, sometimes in the event world, you have outside people, right? Whether it's an event planner or a DJ or whatever it may be. Sure. Um, and we had an event where they had brought in a New York event planner. Now, New York is a little different than Connecticut, hey, right? we they over have, here in New York. They oh. have some uh, different <laughs> ideas, let me put it that way. Yeah. So this event planner probably got paid more than we did as a venue. Like, that's how over the top they were. And they hired people from Long Island. Now, once you hear Long Island, you know Uh-oh. their prices even rock. Sky Long rocket. Island. More. So they had a video wall. Now, what the hell is a video wall, right? I don't know what a video wall is. Well, you've seen our dance floor. It's really big. It's huge. The video wall was as big as a billboard in Times Square. That's what a video wall is. And it took up the entire wall of the dance floor. So unnecessary. So unnecessary, right? Unbelievable. So I could only imagine what they spent on this. Oh, yeah. that's They (laughs) had a virtual reality. They had, we don't allow this anymore because of this, but they had a surfboard blow-up thing, very much similar to a mechanical bull, but it was a surfboard. So it was, think of it like a mechanical bull, but it was surfboard with that. They that, had, sounds, that sounds dangerous. It when was you're not, very, When yes. you're not sitting on something. It was dangerous. Standing it was, up on a board. Oh, it was crazy. They had a DJ. They had Pac-Man. I mean, the list went on and on. So the day comes, and the event planner had another event in New York, so she sent her people. Also, all these vendors that she hired start coming, and they start telling me, I need... Three 20-amp circuits. I need five 20-amp circuits. I need 10 20-amp circuits. What the hell do you... I don't have all this power. What are you talking about? We're a venue. We're not a, we're not a concert hall. So I'm like having a heart attack now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, I'm not owner, but I'm, I'm still general manager at that point. Right. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And just there was a situation you know we wanted to put our best foot forward for this client it was really important to us so three hours before the event all these vendors i need this 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 and this we don't have it it was never discussed before the event as far as the power and shame on the event planner because they didn't tell us everything that was coming in wow so i had a decision to make like what do i do at this point so i called in some favors I got a tractor trailer generator in at the last minute that, and we ran all How the do you power just pull to one that. of those out of your ass. I have a lot of connections. I'm very fortunate. <laughs> That's tremendous. Oh <laughs> my God. I'll have to hit you up when the power goes there out over go. my apartment. And we got screwed and we wound up having to cover foot the bill for it. And the client was none the wiser and no idea about it. And that was that that was probably one of the most difficult events we've ever done gotcha yeah gotcha but we do have a generator on site we had an incident too a few years ago where the generator was kind of it was like negative 10 degrees generator hit the bed and two events uh we were having went out without power so that got oh that's right i remember you told me that so i had to call eversource and pull some you know talk to them and we got power back right that was always 
So you do always have some like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen right now? Yeah. Situations. You got Ned Lamont on speed dial sometimes? Uh, I have I have <laughs> met him a few times, but no, we'll leave that to Scott. When we really need it, we call Scott Dalton. True, yeah. True, Scott. Yeah, Scott. Scott, you know, and Scott is great. He does a really great job. He what is you, the best person for the job, let me tell you. Yeah. What, what do you enjoy about being on the Connecticut Restaurant Association? And right now, what are some... Um, what are some areas of concern that you see in the restaurant industry? Yep. So Scott and I have known each other now for three years. Um, Scott Dolch, again, for just to reiterate, he is the CEO, president of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Um, I am fairly new to the board of directors, but prior to that, I was on the legislative committee and for the Restaurants Association. And I've gone to D.C. and have met with the federal delegation. And it's really about just kind of making sure that we have a voice in Washington, making sure we have a voice in Connecticut. As you can imagine, there is many thousands of um, restaurants in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. But it's always a constant battle. You know, people go into restaurants on a Friday night or Saturday night and they see it busy or they see it packed or you need reservations. And they say, oh, these, these restaurants are making hand over fist. But what they don't realize is in the hospitality industry, restaurants, a really good operator makes between 5 and 7% profit margin at the end of the year. Yeah, because the costs are... It, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. And for catering, a really good operator makes 10% profit at the end of the year. So think about that. That's <laughs> not much, no. right? You have Walmart, you have other huge corporations making 20 30 percent profit and the hospitality business is making 10 percent profit that's nothing right like then the day you got to think about like these people have to be crazy to be in this but we do it because we love it right we that's it's not about the money yes you always have to make a profit and you and it'd be silly to be in business without it sure but we want to make sure that everybody's happy that's why we do this thing there's so many challenges that face Connecticut restaurants in general, and whether it's labor costs or rising food costs or um, laws that are coming down the pipeline where it makes it really challenging to, to have a successful business. It's making sure that we have representation so that when legislators are having those conversations that we can have a seat at the table and say, listen, in theory, it might sound good, but in reality, it's not. So how do we figure out a happy medium to make sure that we can still survive as an industry and, and allow us to move forward, but still allow Connecticut to be able to move forward as well, too? Yeah, no, exactly. And I remember um, specifically a few months ago when I visited the Amber Room um, and you showed me around, we had been we had talked about how there were um, there were, was an official or a couple government officials within within the area, local officials um, that were pushing for something within the restaurant industry at the time. I think it was related to I don't know if it was related to tips or minimum wage, something like that. Yep. Um, what was that instance again and what ended up happening? You know, yeah. where does that stand right now? So. Every session, it's a little bit different, right? And there's certain items that always come up about. Um, as part of the Connecticut Restaurant Association, as a board member or 
we represent all of hospitality, right? So while certain things might not affect us directly, it's really looking about above and beyond just catering or just the Amber Room and saying, okay, the industry in general. So um, tip credit is something that had come up and that was during last session and it was a bill that was proposing to eliminate the tip credit. Now for the Amber Room, that doesn't matter, right? Because everybody gets paid minimum wage or above and tip credits don't come into effect. But what a tip credit does is for a restaurant that there's a certain percentage or a certain number that is given, and then the tips make up the delta of minimum wage. But the reality is, is that in Connecticut, the average server makes $33 an hour, which is way above minimum wage. And some higher-end restaurants make 40 or $50 an hour, depending on what the tips are. So there was a proposal on the table from legislature, from the Senate, to do away with the tip credit, which would make it so instead of restaurants having to pay, I think it's something like $8.35 or whatever it may be, um, instead of having that delta, which would make up the difference. So if a server walks away in a five-hour shift, let's just say, for easy math, $500 in tips, obviously that's a lot of money, but that would make up the difference and the employer has to pay $8.35 an hour because they've made up the delta. They've already succeeded, made more than the $15 an hour. So the idea was, and by the way, this is almost national. I think there's only 11 states that have done away with the tip credit. Something wow. Something like that out of 50. So right? some states have done away with some it. Some states have done away with it, but it's been really bad. That's right? all. That's terrible. Because now what's happening is restaurants, because they can't, afford the difference right because yeah you might go into a restaurant and see friday night saturday night it's packed but they're not going in and seeing tuesday wednesday thursday friday there's maybe two three four five customers right it's not as packed so what happens is when you take away that tip credit now the restaurant almost has to double their payroll and though his staff is making their tips from a restaurant perspective. So how does a restaurant survive there, right? I was talking with a restaurant operator, and he told me flat out, he goes, Doug, I will have to, my payroll will increase $135,000 a year if this tip credit goes away. Wow. That's a lot of that's, money. That's insane. That's insane, That's right? absolutely insane. So it was like, well... <laughs> What happens then? Does that restaurant go out of business? It's just so much money. Now, keep in mind, the only the profit margin on a restaurant, 7%. Now you put $135,000 on it, might as well close up shop. So there was a big discussion of how does this affect the restaurants and what happens. Now, we, Amber Room, has no dog in the fight. We pay $15 an hour starting, right? And then it goes on up there. But from a restaurant standpoint, if you're paying $8.35 and then all of a sudden you have to pay $15, that's huge. And if you're only making, you're bringing in, let's say, 50 covers in a night, what does that leave you? By the time you pay your staff, by the time you pay your, your food, 
by the time you pay your electricity, your rent, whatever it may be, there is nothing left. And so while the general public might see a Friday and Saturday night completely packed, they don't see Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, you know, and that's the issue. So those are the things that the CRA has to ed- that does and educates people to say, hey, in theory, it might sound good, but in reality, it doesn't. So we're okay right now as we stand? It didn't. So it did not pass in okay. the session. It's a short session coming up in 2024. I'm sure it will be back up as it does every year, but um, we'll see what happens. I've had a decent amount of politicians on the show, a lot of state reps, <laughs> state senators. They were all foodie people, so I can, ass- I can assume most of those people probably weren't cool with this. So, uh, you know, I, at least I hope so. I mean, um, I know Corey Paris, who I had on the show. Uh, who's actually he's making huge waves right now within our um, within our our government here in Connecticut. Absolutely incredible human being over in Stanford, um, and he's a huge foodie, and um, uh, I love that guy. So hopefully, hopefully we keep that um, you know at bay because you know that's you know like you said that's a huge cost, and Absolutely. there's already so many costs. And sort of on that same note, um, you know people talk about inflation a lot. Has inflation or food food costs rising has that affected the amber room at all in any way and what absolutely what have had what what do you have to do to to mitigate or make it work so it is so tough and i'm glad you asked that question because it's really hard right and people don't realize that you know when we go up a dollar or two dollars they'll say oh you know we have a hundred people that's you know let's say it was a two dollar increase from 2022 to 2023 and we're like but have you gone to the supermarket? Have you seen what it is? Because people don't always realize that the increases that you're getting when you go to the supermarket, we're getting that as a vendor. I'll get six things and it'll be like a hundred bucks. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'll leave the store. I'm like, I'm poor. Yeah. I mean, when we do an event for 200 people and we have steak on the menu. Can't even imagine. That steak bill just for the steak is $4,000. Like... And and the amount of money that is spent is just insane. But I try to explain this to people because it is our job to educate that when you're doing a dinner, we can't do a dinner for $50 a person anymore because, yeah, $50 times 100 people, that's $5,000. But what is, what's left after that, right? By the time you have the staff, the electric, the food bills, there's not much left. Like, it's a lot of money. But when you think of all the food costs that go along with that, inflation has been insane when it comes to that. And you have, you know, it, it, it's truly remarkable. When a, p- a pound of salmon used to be $5.50 and it's now $11 a pound, you're like, you're scratching your head, be like, oh my goodness. Or steak used to be $6 a pound and it's $13 a pound. It's crazy. And it, it, it truly, you know, we go on volume and we go on large numbers. But if you have an event of 400, 500 people and you're doing 1,000 pounds of meat, think about how much money that costs and how much it costs just from a food cost perspective. And it's hard. That's one of the challenges because you always want to do right by your clients, especially the ones that have been with you for 10, 15, 20 years. 
you you never want to go up in price and and you know we're never one of those places that puts a hand in your pocket and says oh we got them like my whole philosophy is building relationships i've clients that i do 5 10 15 events a year for and so we always want to give them the best value possible but with inflation it's it's tough sometimes to be able to do that because steak prices could be one price one month and then go all the way up another you know two months or three months later and you have to go up in price and it doesn't help all these wars and all this political conflict that's taking place because people don't realize like fertilizer and and wheat and grain is ukraine and russia and those are some of the top producers of the world so once there's conflict and once there's fighting that makes everything go up as far as food costs goes. You know, with every great leader, there's a great staff and a great support team. And definitely talk to me about your staff, how many folks you have, um, you know, day in, day out that are killing it over there at the Amber Room. Um, talk to me a little bit about how many, like, chefs that you have and stuff. And I would just love to hear about all that, <laughs> all that, all that backroom stuff. Um, and it was so great walking back there, watching them prep when I came by to visit. Um, just seeing this, the dedication to craft and just how meticulous they were. And I don't know, it was, it was awesome to just see all that in motion. I, I love that kind of stuff. So there is no doubt that it all is a team effort, right? I, there's no I in team, and I truly, truly, truly believe that, right? Like, it is so important. And our kitchen is incredible. Our front of the house is incredible. It's really just a true team effort and we're so fortunate to be able to have the people that we have and i never lose sight of that as far as the kitchen goes we have about seven full-time kitchen people and then we have part-time people that come in and help when needed when we need to ramp up our production our front of the house we have gina our banquet director who is our all-star right she makes sure everything is taken care of she makes sure that uh, the clients are happy scheduling ashley is our banquet manager and she is also an all-star um both gina and ashley they they run a tight ship they have an incredible team and they give they allow me personally the peace of mind that is needed right because i know that they're taking care of everything right now it's whatever time it is and we have an event taking place and ashley's running the party and i'm not there and what it's event great. you got going on right now tonight we have a sports banquet oh cool for um a local high school and awesome and it's about a hundred plus people and very cool you know, it's great awesome but and you're just hanging here you're like and i'm just hanging here look at hanging, me, baby. you know this relaxing this is awesome <laughs> but that's what it's about right? yeah like and we have our back of the house and katie and melissa and our catering sales managers and their and coordinator and their booking parties and it's really about a team effort right if if me personally and i'm i'm involved and let's say i'm running a party and i'm cooking and i'm um selling well it's never gonna work right so you have to believe in your team and as far as wait staff goes we have about 40 plus people um you know we're always looking for good talent so if anybody's out there that always that want to apply we're happy to take you on right but 
it's all about making sure that it's the right attitude and making sure that everybody is again putting their best foot forward but our team is incredible and we would be nothing without our team and i recognize that all the time right because i always joke around i say if you can't if you can't sell it you can't cook it right <laughs> and and if you can't if you cook it and you're mismanaging the front then that's not going to work it's all about making sure that every department works together we have weekly meetings we go over everything we talk about all the logistics and it's not easy right like anybody thinks i laugh when i have some people say oh you have the best job in the world and i truly have a phenomenal job you'll never hear me complain but you always seem time, like that you do seem like the happiest guy every time i see you you're always like jeff what's up what's well it's on? a behind the scenes you're where we're so yelling happy. and cursing <laughs> we don't let anybody see that but I'm like man this dog guy is the happiest guy <laughs> in the world man but he must love his job they the the team is great and everybody works together and everybody makes it you know a great atmosphere and that's what i always want to make happen awesome that's yeah. so, that's <laughs> that's great, man. And you know what else is great? Danbury. Danbury is a great Danbury's city. Danbury's awesome. I hate when people say all this nonsense about Danbury. Danbury is special and unique, and I feel like if you don't understand it, you you, you know you never really will understand it. Um, but I feel like it's a place that has to be understood for its uniqueness. Absolutely, the certain things that go on, just what it is in general. My big thing always, and and hey, maybe maybe it'll happen now with the the change in, in mayor that we have with Roberto Alves, and congratulations to Roberto, and actually really looking forward to uh, sitting down and chatting with him pretty soon for an episode uh, once he gets into office and everything like that. Congratulations, um, and, Roberto. And congratulations to uh, our guest, uh, one of our friends of the show, one of our uh, past guests, Taylor O'Brien, who's going to be his uh, chief of staff. Um, so, you know, of course the first question I said to Taylor was when is, when are we going to get, uh, Alex on the podcast? <laughs> and, uh, so he'll definitely be able to come on and talk about, you know, um, being elected mayor after, for multiple attempts. And I'm just very, very, very happy and proud of him. And, uh, I'm sure I'll run into him at Pippa's, uh, pretty soon, but Danbury's just a unique place from the Danbury trashers to, um, you know, uh, what happened with Ian Baker at Tuxedo Junction, and now he has a really successful podcast that's one of the top podcasts right now um, on Apple Podcasts, and it's constantly, constantly rising, and just everything that goes on with, of course, the hat tricks winning, and just having the big statue of Uncle Sam, and, <laughs> and being the hat city, and just... Um, you know, of course, uh, when Mayor Mark Bowton was the mayor and John Oliver came and the sewer plant is named after John Oliver and just all the different things that happen in Danbury. I just feel like it's such a unique place that you'd have to really understand to really to really love and appreciate. But I just love the uniqueness, all the random things that happen, um, all the notoriety it gets for all the random, random, but really awesome reasons. And um, just, uh, you know, to you, what, what do you really love about Danbury? So Danbury is so special. It, it truly is. I always tell people that are not from Danbury or guests of Danbury or just moved to Danbury. The way I describe Danbury is that it is a very big city, but a very small town. And I am so thankful to be part of that and be part of this community. It is it's just... It doesn't really feel like a city. It doesn't. It doesn't. But if you think about it, right... Danbury has everything that a major city has. We have an airport. We have a mall. We have a library. We have multiple high schools. We have 
thriving businesses. We have manufacturers. We have Danbury is so incredible. And I'm proud to say that I'm actually on the board of directors and trustees of the Danbury uh, Museum and Historical Society. Oh, awesome. And it sounds, it like might sound like crazy. Like, why are you on that? Like, what are we <laughs> no. you know, Don't you have things to do? But <laughs> it's just so cool, right? Because there's so much history in Danbury. And that's one of the best things of, of my job, right? Like, is to get to meet. Danbarians and to get to understand the stories and how everything was and I love that right like that's that's my favorite part is sitting down with somebody like Bill Coffey from Pembroke Plumbing and Pumping and he is just such a wealth of knowledge and he'll tell you about what Danbury was like in the 50s and 60s and 70s and you you hear these stories and you're like wow that is so cool or getting to tour the police station or city hall and learning about the the civics of our community. I had the opportunity this year to do Leadership Danbury with PJ Prunty. And that's where we met. And that's where we <laughs> met. And it comes full circle, right? And PJ, you know, we'll talk about him in a, in a minute, but Danbury <laughs> is so fortunate to have somebody like PJ Prunty because that is Danbury itself, right? Like, Looking forward to getting him on the show for uh, sure. We'll get him. I yeah. might have to make a guest appearance when PJ yeah, comes please, on. Yeah, please. No, please. But, um, but it's just so incredible, like the, the ins and outs of what our city has to offer from manufacturing to transportation to it's just... It, it truly is remarkable. And, you know, again, you know, I mentioned the mall and I mentioned high school and library, but even to have an airport in your, in your city, like that's huge. That's top notch. Yeah. And I don't, you know, Danbury has roughly 120,000 people, citizens, if you look at it in, in different fashions, but it's such a phenomenal community, one of the best places to live in in America, and it has something to offer for everyone. And I think what one of the best things about Danbury is that everybody is happy, right? Like, yes, you're always going to have people that gripe about this or gripe about that, but it's safe, right? You can go out, you can feel comfortable, you can go to great restaurants. You can go to a wonderful catering hall, <laughs> but Amber Room, Amber Room, right? Absolutely, it's a selfish plug right there. You're, but. you're right about that, though, because I've been playing softball at Rogers Park um, during the week at night for the last two years, just about. Uh, we, in fact, we we won the summer championship last year. I got my my oh, we got our trophy out there. <laughs> we actually won summer again this year. Um, we've won three in a row and we're actually going for championship number four tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. Um, shout out to my team, the smoking bunts. <laughs> um, obviously you can tell we, we take it very seriously Absolutely. with our, with our name, but just great, great group of guys. And we have a lot of fun, but playing at Rogers park, it's so cool to sometimes be, I mean, I'm, I'm out at shortstop and, um, it'll be in between a play and I just look around and every area of the park is being utilized and it's just all walks of life, just everyone from yeah. all over is just together coexisting in this one space, having fun, doing what we love, having a good time. It's it's always hug. Like I can't tell you how many times like I just would like high five or hug like random people just because we're you know, they're celebrating something. I'm you know, I'm playing it's a, Danbury I don't know, crowd, just, I, right? I, I can't I don't know. I just can't tell you how many times 
And and now I just, I know so many people and I have so many friends now um, in Danbury just because of just how awesome and genuine and real Danbury people are. They'll let you know if, you know, Danbury people are so, they'll let you know if they want you to like be cool with them or, you know, be their friend or not. And then you, and you learn right away and, and it's, and more times than not, they want to be your friend, but they're just so real. The people over there, I just, I Absolutely. love it. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. So my special, wife and man. I are watching Suits right now. And yeah. Being that you're in the legal world, I don't yeah. know if you watch Suits or not, but <laughs> Little it's, bit. <laughs> it's an awesome series, right? Yeah. I love it. And in season six, he gets sent to, to prison and it's Danbury. And my ears perk up. I'm like, yes, I don't even give it crap if it's danbury prison like this is danbury it's on the map it's so cool like it's just awesome like <laughs> yeah it's yeah you know it, it goes back to the same thing as maris like you say you're a red fox you say you went to maris like wow like but that's what danbury has it's that special sense of community and you know obviously this was a little bit of a challenge with the political season and it got a little tense but at the end of the day we're all danbarians and exactly. everybody knows everybody and everybody is friends and danbury has such a rich history whether it was a hat industry hatting industry or um other manufacturing or just there's just such a rich history and that's what makes me so proud um to be able to say that i was from danbury and to have a business that's in danbury and like we were saying before win or lose like no matter who wins who loses whatever happens with the mayor race any race in danbury Everyone who's ever won and been there or lost, whatever, always had great intentions. Absolutely. Um, always were putting Danbury first over anything else, uh, at least in my opinion. And yeah. I think that's another thing that we're, we should be very fortunate of having is just good people who really care a lot about the city. And like anyone, you know, um, I wish Roberto Alves the best. I know he'll do a great job. All the, all, I'm sure I'll, I'll hear about it when I speak to him. And of course, when I talk to Taylor. Um, but one thing I really hope for Danbury, and I've heard this from many different people, not just this isn't just myself, um, is that I feel as though Main Street Danbury deserves better. Um, I've been to different Main Streets and other places, such as like Bethel, which I know is a town and not a city. Um, you know, West, you know, Westport, Ridgefield, South, even Southbury, sort of. You know, those towns that have like that Main Street where you know there's a lot of different things going on. It's it's kind of vibrant. And I just feel like Main Street deserves a little, a little bit of a facelift, in my opinion. And if I feel if, if it did, Danbury could really then truly fully become just a, a destination. More, you know, it's a destination now. But I feel like if it, if the Main Street improved a little bit, to me, I feel like it would go a long way and and making it um, more attractive for people to, hey, let's go to Danbury for the day. Let's go on Main Street. You know. And, and and I I feel like there's the potential. They have amazing building, buildings. They all have great character. Um, and I just I'm really looking forward to hopefully that becoming um, you know taking shape within the next couple of years. That'd so be awesome. I do think that that's going to happen. Okay, cool. Um, it's you know there is a big project taking place with Savings Bank of Danbury, and they're going to yeah be, they're moving into they're, a new they're, building right. Yep, yeah. So they're going to be constructing really nice building. Cool. Um, on Main Street, I think that's going to give a little bit of facelift. And yes, yeah. the argument can be made like, okay, does a uh, does a bank headquarters bring revitalization? And at the end of the day, I think it does, right? Because if you have a business and you have a, a you know, I, I'm a big fan of Savings Bank of Danbury, and I think 
they are the epitome of giving back to your community. But by showing that, hey, we believe in this, and so we're going to put a major investment into our community and to Main Street, that then allows restaurants to say, hey, you know what? We have 200 jobs that are coming to Main Street, and we're going to we're going to make sure that we have something for these people for lunchtime and so forth. So now that restaurant goes and builds something. And then you have maybe a bowling uh, um, organization that says, hey, we're going to do something like Lucky Strikes on Main Street to create an after-hours thing. And so it becomes a domino effect. And I do believe, and then, of course, the train station project and and having a train directly to New York. Yeah. I do have high hopes for Main Street. And I think that the current administration has planned, uh, had plans for Main Street. And I think that um, Roberto, Mayor-elect Roberto Alves is going to continue that vision for for the future because the hat tricks are sweet and the arena is yeah, sweet it's, and it's, it's not too far from realize it. and it's not too far from main street yeah people don't even realize it and when the funny part is i actually um besides hat trick games i actually go and watch pickup games that my buddy plays yeah. during the week and you can just walk in and watch these games for free and half the time these are kids who like just got out of college playing hockey at a high level and it's a lot of fun to watch. And I sit up in TK's corner because I love TK and I love oh, TK's. TK's is awesome. Um, I bring my daughters. I'm in. hoping to have the owner on, uh, Mr. TK himself, soon. <laughs> I, I've been trying to track him down. I, I go there every so often. And every time I go in, is he here? Is he here? And so far, he hasn't. But I'm going to get him one day <laughs> and have him come by because I love TK's. Uh, great place. My softball team goes there after all our games. Um, so we'll be there tomorrow what, night. What is your favorite wing? There. Sauce? Yep. Right now, the Maui Wowie. Oh, Maui Wowie is good. It's. I like the traditional half and half. Half barbecue, half hot. You know, it's so funny. I get that or I get the salt and vinegar. Uh, I haven't had that one. I yet. mix it up. I so, mix it up. So I have to give a plug to, I know you, you said JJ Stacks with the best wings, but yeah. have you been to J. Timothy's? Yes, of course. So J. Tim, Timothy is legendary. So Tim Adams is on. The board of Connecticut Restaurant Association. Oh, that would be fantastic and to chat with he him. He is awesome. We have had we have had some incredible dinners together. And Jay Timothy's legendary. Yeah, it's legend. They take the bucket they, and they flip it upside yeah, down. Yeah, right and they dirt plate. wings. Oh, so good, so good. Man, I got to get up to Bristol, right? I think. Is it? Am I wrong? Is it I feel like they have, or, or am I, I might be no, wrong. No, it's not Bristol. Never mind. But I know I, I see it off the highway when I'm heading so up that good. way. Yeah, so good. And Groggy Frog, shout out to them. Another great wing spot. Um, they actually just won a, um, a wing competition the other day in uh, Southington, Connecticut, which wow. the Wing Addicts, who I don't know if you know who they are, there's these uh, three guys from Connecticut, uh, Tommy Wyatt, Donnie the Cleaner, and Wing Chef Ryan. <laughs> and they, uh, they're on a quest to, to try a thousand different wing sauces, I believe it is. It, that's what it is. They started during COVID, and they go all over and eat all the wings in every place you can get wings in Connecticut. Um, and I think they've almost been everywhere. And um, so they're like the wing experts. You should definitely check them out. They're really, really cool. I love wings. You should check them out. Although they're, I'm a they're drumstick a great, They're a great watch. Do you like both, both wings? I like both. 
See, I don't like the Flats other are one. easy. Flat ones that get stuck you in your kinda, teeth. I don't know. You can kind of like do it all at once if you want to. Because Donnie the cleaner, that's what he's known for. He just he just takes a flat <laughs> and then he just one one bite. You know, everyone knows the rules. But but no, so just incredible guys and they know their wings. And um, they put me onto the Groggy Frog. And that's a that's a place that has some yeah, pretty gotta, amazing wings. And so Southington, Connecticut's considered, um, I believe, I'm, I hope I'm getting that right, is considered to them. Uh, the wing capital of Connecticut. Wow. So if you like wings, you go to Southington, Connecticut, and that's right. I, I got to ask Tim Adams about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. You're, you see, I got you know, I got all the the good uh, the good intel. That is that is um, good intel. Let me double check. I think that's what it is. What are where are your so that's your favorite place, Jay Timothy's. That's your so your spot? I I locally. Yeah, really Southington, loved- yes, the 17th annual Southington Chamber of Commerce Wing Fest. All right. Best overall wings went to the Groggy Frog. All right. I have, um, to, I have to try it. And they have done a couple collaborations with, with Blind Rhino. So All right. they got to be real deal if the That's rhino's it. involved, just like with Stacks. So, I, I but, like it. but anyway, yeah. So as, <laughs> as you're saying, my bad. No, no, no. It's great. My, my favorite local place is TK's because I just. Really yeah, like- TK's. So it's funny. Um, my last episode was Caesar. He goes, "So what's your favorite? You know, Pippa's or TK's?" Um, Pippa's does a great job. I can't. Pippa's does a great job too. I I they, I just happen to go to TK's same, more often. Same, exactly. No, that that's that's exactly where I was with that. But Pippa's is is great. And I would run and I would see Roberto Alves at Pippa's so many times with his kids, which is always great. I'm like, man, I was like that that guy's out. He's in the, within the public. Like I love it watching the games. He's like involved. You know, he gets so involved. I love it. And, um, you know, another thing about Danbury is, you know, Glover Teixeira training in Bethel lives in Danbury, um, you know, winning, uh, multiple UFC belts. Oh yeah. Um, and then of course what just happened on Saturday night at Madison square garden, Alex Perea, who trains in Bethel at Teixeira's and Glover's his coach just won the light, uh, light it's heavyweight amazing, championship like... and, and he wins. And I'm just like, that's Danbury. Like. That's it. They're we probably have gonna have, so they're probably many, gonna have a parade for him. Yeah, I'm assuming we, they're gonna have a parade. We for have him so at some many point. hidden gems. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's just so cool. And then especially being even one hour from the city, right? Yeah, like we're lucky. It's just it's yeah. such a Tri-State. incredible city. Yeah, and, and I don't say that. I don't take that lightly. Again, you and I are Brookfield residents, but yeah, I always will always forever think of Danbury as my home. And yeah, my business is in Danbury. My community is in Danbury, and it's just, it's, it really is a remarkable place. And when you hear, I don't know if you know Bridget Gurton, but she is the city historian. So one day I'll introduce you to her. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to. She is just a wealth Hear all of about it. Yeah. And, and it's just incredible that Danbury was around from the 1600s and the integral part they played in our whole country. Forget about just Connecticut, in our country. Like, just really incredible stuff. That's awesome, man. That's so, so great. Yeah, Danbury's fantastic, and especially somewhat recently with the Danbury Trashers documentary. Like, Yeah, well, that, was, <laughs> so that people, was crazy. That was nuts. So many people Although were I didn't by. recognize anybody, obviously, <laughs> yeah. AJ and, and, and so forth, but yeah. I didn't really recognize anybody else. Oh, no, I used to go to games. I'm surprised I didn't see myself in the documentary because <laughs> um, I went to games as a kid with my parents and, and everything like that, so... Um, yeah, I, I, and I remember, I remember being there as a, as a young kid and, um, uh, cause my mom, uh, worked for the Hartford Whalers. She was, oh, wow. she was a skybox manager for eight years for the Hartford Whalers. 
Um, she actually, I've said this on other podcasts, so I'm sure some people who have listened to this already are just going to be like, you've told this before. <laughs> but just briefly, she went on a date, not really a date, but she accompanied Gordy Howe, who's considered one of the greatest hockey players of all time, uh, to a uh, governor's ball um, way, oh, back wow. in the, way back in the day for the governor of Connecticut. Um, his wife was sick. And he popped into my mom's office over at, um, you know, which is now, the, that was which is now the XL Center. But back in the day, it was called um, the Civ Hartford Civic <laughs> Center. Because um, my dad hates that they changed it to XL. He's like, it's the Hartford Civic Center and everything like that. I shouldn't but, tell you my wife works for XL. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, oh, really? That's actually hilarious. Wow. What a, I, lo I love the... I, I love the tidbit. I love the random connections that are, are like me. No, he just was so nostalgic because uh, of the name. Um, just because. Uh, oh, of course, he, it was always the Civic Center. Yeah, but she, but so Gordy Howe popped in my mom's office and said, "Hey, would you want to? Would you want to come to? Um, you know, this governor's ball. My wife's sick, and she was just like, let me just ask my husband.' And he goes, "I'll call him." So Gordy Howe called my dad at work. Um, and, uh, uh, he was working in a, on a manufacturing facility and he had to walk all the way to the phone and yeah. And he's like, hello. And Hey, and he's Gordy. How, how are you? Like, it's just so funny. Like, you oh, know, they asked awesome. my, my dad's like, yeah, that's fine. And he made a couple jokes. Like, he's like, oh, don't worry. I got a, I got a hotel, hotel room for us for after and everything <laughs> like that. You know, I made some jokes and stuff like that, but no, um, yeah, because of, because of my mom being a skybox manager, my dad got to go uh, front row to ZZ top. Wow! Um, back in the day at the Hartford Civic Center, um, they actually would have um, dinners on the ice uh, with the team and the team's family and the and Isn't the staff and so their family. Cool though, like those yeah, are the so, experiences that are just yeah. so incredible. Yeah, and then um, and then I think one of the times they had like a pickup game, like a fun pickup game. And I think I I think my mom, I remember her saying that my dad like slipped and fell and like cracked his head open on oh, the ice and he had to go to the hospital. And he, <laughs> Nowadays, it'd be so a lawsuit stories. in a second. <laughs> yeah, just just so many stories. And um, I actually Kevin Deneen, who's the head coach for the USA women's hockey team. Um, I actually have a picture of him riding a tricycle as a kid that my mom, um, when she passed in 2019, she gave me her Whalers uh, memorabilia. Oh, wow. And that was one of them. And in fact, uh, she also gave me two game use sticks. Um, one of the sticks was used by uh, Mark McDougal. And one of them, the other one was used by, I mean, Mike McDougal. The other one was used by Mark Johnson. And Mark Johnson actually scored the game tying goal. Um, for the Miracle on Ice game when USA beat Russia. Oh, wow. And then he played for the Whalers after the fact. And it has his name on it, and he's actually signed it. Um, both uh, sticks are signed by the whole team. Joel Quenville, Gordie Howe, I mean, you know, Kevin De so Kevin, cool. Kevin Deneen, Ron Francis, like you name it, all signed. And those are actually hanging above the bar at Good Old Days Pizza. Um, because Good Old Days Pizza is actually a hockey bar. Not many people know that. It's it's um, yeah, I didn't the, know that. the the people there love hockey, and there's hockey pucks and all this stuff. So the sticks are up there because my mom used to work at the library, which was right up the street, and I used to live down the street <laughs> on 302. So it's like a beautiful intersection of just like you know everything my mom did and loved. Oh, and that's awesome. so the sticks are up there. So if you ever go to Good Old Days Pizza and you're at the bar, look up and you'll see some Connecticut history.
That's awesome. A piece I'm, of the I'm getting hungry Whalers. having this whole conversation. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. Good old days pizza is great. And actually they're one of the nominations. They um, are, they uh, are. I push for them hard, you know, as as someone who can nominate folks for certain awards. Um, I just found that um, they year in and year out, they absolutely kill it. Um, I was joined, of course, by my my boy. Shout out to Chef Plum. Um, he was also on that call with me when we were, you know, letting the folks at the CRA know that, you know, these people are really great at what they do and, and they deserve uh, a shout, even though it's just pizza. And a lot of people said to me, oh, well, it's just pizza, it's just pizza. And it's like, yeah, but it's not just the pizza. It's the vibe. You go in there, you feel like you're home, like you feel like you belong there. Um, the service is incredible. The people are incredible. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's not just the pizza. The pizza is great, and it's some of the best around for sure. But it's not all about that. It's about the whole overall experience and how it makes you feel and how it makes you want to come back and all of that stuff. And, and that's what the crazies is all about. Exactly having the recognition of right. What, it's not just you know, the food. People that. need to understand. Exactly. It's not. I mean, of course, the food has a lot to do with it. Of course, oh, absolutely. Not, but it's but it's the overall experience. And um and and I feel like overall experience, good old days is like definitely like some of the like it's absolutely. Oh man! Are you, now you're going to the crazies. Right? Oh, of course. Right. I got my ticket. I can't <laughs> wait. I went last year. I had a blast. I sat next to Chrissy Tracy, who is one of the greatest human beings, an amazing chef. Her cookbook is coming out really soon, or or it might be out now. I I, I can't remember, but I saw it was coming out. Definitely check her out if you haven't. Chrissy Tracy, um, incredible, absolutely incredible. One of the first vegan chefs on Bon Appetit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and just, uh, like I said, incredible human being. Um, sat next to her, and I also sat next to um, my buddy David. Well, he's my buddy now, um, and he's the damn gram on Instagram, and he reviews uh, restaurants uh, with you know in Connecticut. And you know, with drones and all these this crazy equipment, and he's does some of the best social. He has some of the best restaurant social media content. It's awesome. I've I have like, to get him to the Amber Room. I've like ever seen. Oh, he would. He would probably love to. Yeah, you should definitely get in touch. Um, he's at the damn Graham. Um, his name is David, and just incredible. And I sat in between them. And, you know, I watched them from afar on Instagram, <laughs> and here I am sitting with them at the the CRA, you know, at the table one. It was literally table one right in the front, and um, I had a great time. Oh. Absolutely great. And this year, I'm going to be sitting with Steph and, and um, Andrew from nice, CT from Bites. CT Bites. Um, I'm really excited to, to be able to just, you know, hang out with them and... Yeah, so it's gonna be a fun <laughs> time. Be, December fourth. Uh, it's gonna be great, man. Last year they had little bottles of um, of uh, Lamarca uh, yep. with a straw. So you could just I, I, rem- <laughs> I, I remember that. Seth from CT Bites came up. She's like, "Look, they have you know champagne with a straw." We had some fun I'm last like, Where year. Is this? <laughs> I'm like, "Where is this?" You know, like, oh my gosh, unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely great time. But uh, you know, and this has been a great time as too uh, as well, my friend. And I'm so um, thankful for you yeah, having me. And to think we we were we went on for almost two hours. Like, look at that! <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> it's gonna be some editing that takes place. But uh, <laughs> but no, this was great, man. I'm so happy to have you by Amber Room is a special place. I'm glad you got to it share is. some insight into what 
you know, goes on the day to day, how you came into that role, um, everything like that. And I think it's a great story. And I think it's a story that I hope someone out there can can learn from and understand that it's a grind. Um, you start somewhere and it's not a place you probably want to start, um, but you start there and you work your way up. And I can say from my experience, it's the same for me. Um, you know, I started from the bottom um, and and now I'm here, so to speak, you know, not to totally quote Drake, but <laughs> but eventually, yeah, like hard work gets recognized, um, you know, it, it, it pays off. And that's one of the great things about this show. And one of the things I, I try to hope to get out there to folks is is like, look, you know, take the bull by the horns. Absolutely. You know, grind, be pat, you know, find something you're passionate about and just absolutely destroy it in the best way possible and and be the and be the best person you can possibly you know you can possibly be and uh and if someone can take that away from this that's great and i feel like that's what i took away today so thank you so much man and for those listening definitely you know take this time right now to plug the amber room where they can find you you know the website how they can look into booking an event there um and just sort of you know talk about the amber room and all that good stuff absolutely well first and foremost thank you jeff for having me uh, yeah, I'm so glad we met program. at the, at the so, panel, at the, the Chamber of Commerce panel. Absolutely. Great to so thank you so much for that. And, um, of course. You know, with the Amber Room, we would be honored to host your event. We truly do try to make your vision into reality. Best way to contact us is through just giving us a call, 203-748-3800, or you can visit us at our website at theamberroom.net www.theamberroom.net and we'd be happy to to have you come in and even if you're not planning an event just now give us a call come for a tour have a cup of coffee we'd be happy to to show you around because you never know what the future may bring that's that's great man and doug is the man let me tell you you were one of the most welcoming people um, the first time I met you, I, I felt like I had known you forever. Um, and I mean, this is only probably the third or fourth time we've met. And like, still, it just feels like we've, I've known you literally my entire life and you're just a welcoming guy, great personality. And I'm so glad you can come by, man. And listen, the doors open, come by again. I you might know, be making some PJ guest appearances. By. Yeah. Yeah. You might, if PJ you Fruity comes yeah. by, I'm going to be sitting right next to him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm making Perfect. sure that he's here. He's a hard yeah. guy to get in touch with. No problem. So, no problem. So we'll we gotta, make it work. We'll make it work. We will. We will. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that his butt is in this seat <laughs> and I'll bring him personally. How perfect. About that? No, that's perfect, man. That's perfect. But uh but listen, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. This was fantastic. Thank you for coming by. Thank you so much for uh being a sponsor uh, of the podcast. Uh for those listening, I'm sure they heard the ad read at the beginning. So thank you, you know, thank you so much for believing in us. And listen, man, I hope you have a wonderful night and uh take care, brother. Thank you so much once again to my guest on the podcast today, the great and powerful Doug Palestena. Thank you so much, brother, for coming by the show and telling us your story and all about the wonderful things going on at the Amber Room. You and your team are special individuals, and I wish you all nothing but continued success onward and upward, my friend. Yet again, another episode of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate your feedback and support. Thank you as always to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music, Morgan Lutzi, production and art director, Kurt Vinci, editor and writer, Nick Passacretta, and a special thanks as always to Devin Sapelli. 
Season four will continue to roll on and you never know who will join Sweeten Up Podcast next. But until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy. Love you all. Peace.